You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Lock in this podcast, season three, episode 16, stardate 98486, mark 13. My name is Timothy. I'm in Toronto, Ontario, and I'm joined once again by Jonathan Kuhlein in Mississauga, Ontario. Hello there. We're also joined by Jaime Lopez Jr. in Seattle, Washington. How's it going? And this week we'll be discussing the Star Trek Discovery, season three, episode six, scavengers episode, Orama, <laughs> or something like that. Anywho, all right, let's let's jump. We, I guess we have no ask podcast because nobody loves us, right? No? check <laughs> i was gonna say when was the last time <laughs> we checked I, i've checked every once in a while i haven't checked in a in a in a, in a while in a fortnight yes <laughs> you can tell i've been watching the crown right um <laughs> all righty uh let's jump in with jonathan's first fact checked yeah so on our last episode around. we were having a good conversation about uh 007 and the double o agents and the fact that uh, lashana lynch is going to be 007 in the uh new james bond movie and so we had this conversation about how we'll were there other double O's? Of course, but after 25 movies, it's hard to keep track of everything. So there's this great article that I found a link to. We'll put it in our show notes uh, from Screen Rant, where they talked about the fact that uh, it isn't the first time we've seen a female double O agent. Of course, 007 has always been James Bond, but we have seen uh, in as far back as Thunderball, back in the Sean Connery era, uh, there was a female double O agent present at a briefing scene. And basically, this article outlines all the different times we've seen a, a female double O agent. There's one in uh, world is not enough um but it is pretty poor and spartan um so the fact that we are seeing you know uh, we're actually going to see one in action we did see um ms money penny uh the new ms money penny uh naomi harris's character uh was a little more sort of field agenty and badass in skyfall but uh she wasn't really you know in the same double o category but it's still neat to sort of track that uh, you know there there have been these nods that of course there are female double o 
agents, we just haven't really uh, gotten the kind of respect for them that I think we'll get after seeing uh, after seeing no what's it called? No time to die. No time to die. No time. No time to get COVID. I don't know. Yeah, something like that. Um. Oh, so MI six is that is that a a legit thing or is that just fictionalized for the stories? Because MI five is real, right? Yeah, I think I think MI six is supposed to be uh, the fictional MI five, an unknown branch of the British government. Yeah, by spy games or whatever. Mm-hmm. Cool. All right. Uh, my my one is real quick. Uh, we we talked about David Cronenberg last week, and we didn't know the name of his character's name. The character's name is Kovich. They may have mentioned it in the show, but uh, we, none of us picked that up. I got that from the IMDb database. And um, the other, my, my second follow up is the three <laughs> the three seashells that Jaime mentioned, and of course, you know, Jonathan Gaffaw. And, <laughs> and I had to go look it up because I couldn't remember what the three seashells was about. Well, that's a so, fun one to anyway. say three times fast, isn't it? Yes, it's a reference from the. Uh, it was not Judge Dredd, but it was... Um, Demolition Man. Was Demolition mm-hmm. Man. Is that Judge Dredd? Judge Dredd? It's the same actor. It's, it's Sylvester, Sylvester Stallone. Stallone. Yeah. Oh, okay, but it's not the character. Not the same yeah. character, no. No, he plays yeah, and so, like, you know, He plays plays a fish out of water. He's like, you know, beamed into the future and he goes to the bathroom and, and uh, he comes out and says, there's no toilet paper. And they look around and they go, he doesn't know what the three seashells is for. Yeah. So, of course. Now somebody will have to explain what those are for for, for us, I guess. <laughs> Anyway, um, and my last follow, my last uh, fact check here is the Star Trek cancelled. Well, I said it was cancelled. Um, apparently, uh, cancelled was not the correct term back then. Uh, they were threatening to cancel it out after the second season or during the second season because of, it initially had high ratings and then kind of like pe- just became a sort of an average show. Um, after the first season, it dropped from the fifty second position down to ninety four out, out of sorry, it's dropped to fifty second position out of ninety four programs. So. NBC was was not happy with that and threatened to cancel the show. And of course, like the word got out, and fans of the show, uh, led by one guy named Yo Trimble, um, he uh, started a letter writing campaign uh, for the first time because it says it was unprecedented. Mm. Um, and uh, they basically got the network to keep the show on the air for at least almost another season. But yeah, that was a famous story about Star Trek being. It was the letter writing campaign that brought it back to life. Yeah, yeah. And, the, the well, not, pre- not really the Twitter. Twitter. Yeah. Well, that was. How you, yeah, I think that's how you how you did Twitter. You just basically shamed uh, the <laughs> office into thinking it was a bigger bigger deal than maybe it was. I don't know. Well, we used to, say, to, wonder, we used to like, say that at the newspaper. If somebody write, takes the time to write a letter, they're not representing one person. They're probably representing a uh, a dozen at least, right? You think? Hmm. I think that's the idea. Okay. Is that uh, you know most people would be irate but wouldn't write a letter. Nowadays, of course, people just pull out their phone and off they go. So it's easier to get a real gauge of how they're reacting to things. But back in the day, if somebody took the time to write a letter to the editor, they meant it. Right, took effort. Took out their personal stationery. Right, put a stamp on it. Sat down at their Smith Corona, you know, like it was a serious deal. (laughs) Started melting down the wax. That's right. Got their ring ready. That's right. They had to get a a raven had to bring it. I mean, it was a whole production. My dad used to write letters to the editor. Anyway. All right, cool. Move on to the headlines. 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 Time to have jingles on this show. Uh, I will kick us off on headlines tonight, and uh, and I'll kick us off with a bang. So this came out yesterday. Um, We're going to see Wonder Woman 1984 this year, after all. Oh, wait. In theaters. Oh, wait. Maybe we are and we aren't. So we'll get into that. So Wonder Woman 1984, the long-delayed... Uh, 
uh, sequel to the very much successful Wonder Woman film is coming out on Christmas Day. Uh, Warner Brothers announced that it is debuting on HBO Max on December 25th, uh, and it'll also be opening in U.S. movie theaters uh, at the same time. Internationally, where HBO Max you does get not butter exist, on your COVID when you go to the theater. Uh-huh. Uh, internationally, it's going to be premiering in cinemas a week earlier on December 16th. Now, for the purposes of box office, Canada qualifies as domestic, not international. Ooh. So, theoretically, it is opening here in Canada on the Christmas Day, but um, we also don't have HBO Max. So. We also don't have theaters open on Christmas Day. Well, that's for debate, depending on, of course, where you live. But the bigger issue is uh, if it's not available because our theaters are closed and there hasn't been any clarity on whether or not it will be appearing anything uh, up here, it does lead the mind to wonder, will this be picked up by Crave with HBO? What is How is this going to appear? Oh, right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so no immediate answers to that. I haven't seen any. I looked around today to see if I could find any comments. Uh, I imagine that there will probably be a lot of questions being asked uh, in the wake of this. This is obviously this just came out last night. But um, yeah, I mean, this is we've been talking over the course of our season about how all these different dominoes have fallen and, you know, the, the move to put Mulan on Disney Plus, some of the decisions that are being made. This is the biggest one so far, uh, by far, to go to a streaming service. Now, obviously, Warner Brothers uh, and its its uh, parent company, AT&T, are wagering that a movie with this kind of star power and uh, fan base will lure people to subscribe to HBO Max and that it's probably the closest thing they can come to trying to recoup the sales. But this had potential to be a billion dollar movie. It cost $200 million to make and given its success of its previous film and the overall um, fan satisfaction with that franchise, it was probably a solid bet to make at least a billion bucks and to make the decision to give people the window to watch it at home and to pay a minimal amount to subscribe to HBO Max to do that is is a pretty milestone decision. So Mm -hmm. uh, I guess I'm going to throw this one to Jaime first as our designated American. Would this be enough to entice you to HBO Max? Yeah. So my significant other and I were talking about this when I said yesterday, I was like, oh my gosh, it's coming on Christmas. And we saw the trailer and confirmed like, and it's not an extra price. It's not like what Disney decided to do with Mulan of like, Mm -hmm. oh, it's like you're you're paying for like the ticket. You would have gone to the movie theaters. It looks like HBO Max is probably trying to really, really kickstart their whole, you know, subscriber base. So, you know, this is an incentive for people to to subscribe. And we've been building a a little catalog of like, oh, we need to watch this. Oh, we need to watch that. We need to watch this other thing. And this is one of those ones of like, oh, yeah, that probably means in the Christmas time frame, maybe not necessarily Christmas Day, but, you know, this winter holiday, we're definitely going to be subscribing for at least a month, binge through everything, watch (laughs) Wonder Woman 1984. So I, I, I think it's job well done. I mean, it's really up to HBO to like, okay, you got me to stick around for one month. Can you do it for two? Can you do it for three? Or, I mean, just keep having that good content and uh, we'll continue subscribing, right? And yeah. that's, uh, that's, that's sort of what I want out of out of what they're doing here. Well, and the word is that they're, it is going to have a limited 
run on HBO Max too. It's not just going to be ad infinitum. It's there for a month. And oh, I, I missed that part. So there's yeah. definitely a ticking clock on the don't don't wait around to do it. Yeah. So it sounds like they're going to put it on there. It's sort of as an enticement. Obviously, their timing is is deliberate. They're going to put it out there over the holiday season when a lot of people will be at home. A lot of people will have some time. So the window is very strong for them. But I think the goal is we'll put it there to entice people in. Uh, and then hopefully they'll fall in love with more of the good content we have there. And then they'll continue to stay with the service, at which point they'll pull Wonder Woman 1984 off and probably put it onto the on demands, the streaming, the, you know, the, the, the iTunes store and all the tra- traditional money making venues. You can purchase a copy and own it, all those other things. So, yeah, it's um. I don't know. It's it's a big move. I mean, you know, they're not going to make a billion bucks. There's no there's no math that works out that way. So hmm. this as a canary in the coal mine in the same way that Tenet was and that Mulan was, you know, we let's put Tenet out in the theater and see how we do. Well, the answer is OK. Not good. Not great. OK. Mulan went to Disney Plus. We don't have strict figures on that, I don't think. But I think there were certainly some people who, you know, felt like that was worth it. Uh, this one, I don't know. I mean, it's it's essentially a lost leader now it's a real enticement i mean this is a good franchise and you know it looks like a good film uh 15 bucks will get you a month's worth as as jaime point jaime points out you'll be able to watch uh you know that plus you know westworld and game of thrones and all the other hbo content um if you're if you're so into it but uh will it be enough to keep people sticking around that content i don't know yeah the timing for them is going to be keep you around just long enough that it will expand Expire and therefore require you to continue the subscription for the beginning of the Justice League movies on HBO Max or, or uh, four parter on HBO Max, right? Yeah, yeah. Get you into that first, or or maybe overlap at most with the first part of that of like, aha, aha, you saw that thing, subscribe for another month and get the the rest of the movie. Yeah, um, and and obviously there's always good stuff in the pipeline. We'll talk more about that in our headlines. There's some more good content coming to HBO Max, um, and there is some you know stuff coming down the line. They are in development of a new Game of Thrones series. There is other stuff in the pipeline, but, you know, HBO is a very measured, always has been a very measured company. They always, you know, it's not like they just churn out stuff. There's always good stuff coming, but it doesn't exactly come quickly. Westworld does one season every two years, and the seasons are pretty brief. Um, You know, they're working on a Game of Thrones prequel, but again, it it could still be a ways off, especially given COVID. So it's not like they're suddenly going to have, you know, all these things to keep luring people in. They really have to sort of entice people with their back catalog and then the promise of more stuff as it as it sort of dribbles out but by the same token though they're also putting bums in seats which is the thing which is the whole goal of a movie in the first place right and Mm -hmm. they've been they've had this wonder woman movie sitting ready to go for months and months and months and it must be just burning the the investors butts about not getting it out there in front of people and and you know i think that hbo max probably has a big enough audience that whatever share they're getting for per, per per view is is worthwhile right for them right i mean they must have obviously they've done the math six ways from sunday to see what is the thing that will make us you know make this the most valuable property it can be in the time frame we have i mean the reality was like what were they going to do sit on it till 2022 and hope that it is then suddenly worth the billion dollars that they're holding on to it for you can make a case that people will have you know over the course of that time there'll be an attrition too people would care less so it's tricky and they also i mean they got kind of um 
caught up in their own web too because they had anticipated that they would be able to get things back and going by this fall winter so there's been this huge advertising blitz you know Gal Gadot is on the front cover of a bunch of magazines and you know she's been out you know she's on like you know all these different things you know all that stuff you got to strike while the iron's hot right you know like GQ's not going to do another front cover interview with Gal Gadot next year just because they've got Wonder Woman coming out again like it's it's a tricky tricky thing the timing the marketing machine behind these things is is uh, a challenging thing and especially it's finite like you can only do so much right well and they would have been shopping this around I mean they can't go to Disney with it because it's a DC property right but yeah. they might have gone to Netflix they might have gone to Amazon they probably went they went to HBO obviously but mm-hmm. they probably went and, and got the best deal they could considering what what uh, what they have right and I'm sure HBO Max is looking at this as an as a win for them too though right well I mean again it keeps it in house right it's the same thing at Disney did it, it basically says okay we've got our own platform we need eyes on that platform we need bums and seats watching that so let's do that so this is a brown dollar project like this hbo and dc are together yes at&t owns hbo and at&t owns warner brothers right okay that makes well then forget about shopping it around thing because you know this is this is their home right yeah i didn't put it into our headlines this week but there was a uh few stories going around and this is all purely rumor but there was a rumor going around last week that uh the producers of no time to die the james bond movie that we referenced earlier have been shopping that around because they also have realized that uh there's only so long you can have those things sitting on a shelf there was a rumor that they were shopping it to you know the netflixes and the amazon primes and everything else um whether or not that materializes or they finally hit a point of desperation the thing is the money is sunk right like that's the problem the money is sunk the producers put up you know 200 million dollars or 150 million dollars to produce a movie the, the money is sunk they're not seeing a dime back until that money starts making movie starts making yep. money again yeah so some investors are like fine i don't care i don't need my five million dollar investment or my 20 or my hundred million dollar investment back we can survive some can't they want their money back and they have contracts and they want what they want and so they don't care if you have to sell it for 500 million dollars to netflix or amazon to get their money back they want their money back so these ones where it's inside these uh you know ecosystems where you know the movie is made they have a platform to launch it obviously those ones make a lot of sense but for you know the ones that are are you know not affiliated like like the bond franchises um that's a tough thing you know you are going to end up with you know some hard hard decisions to make mm-hmm. all right let's move on to the marvel universe yeah I'll, I'll try and pound through these ones really quickly um we knew that we were getting another thor movie that uh was was already out there but interesting to know that the uh they were going to get another another star in the next thor movie so we knew we were getting thor love and thunder and we knew chris hemsworth was going to come back as the titular thor uh we got news this week chris pratt is going to be rejoining uh teaming up with his fellow chris and uh star lord again he's going to be star lord again so at the end of avengers endgame thor sort of heads off into the galaxy as the you know uh, he's jokingly the asgardians of the galaxy uh he is you know off to have these you know new adventures uh and and is leaving with the guardians of the galaxy we know that we're gonna have to wait a little while to see guardians of the galaxy 3 because james gunn was working on suicide squad uh 2 so it makes sense that they can sneak a little a little chris pratt in there give people a little little guardians of the galaxy sampler platter and uh and you know wet people's whistles while they're waiting for guardians 3 but yeah nice to see him uh back in his star lord character and next up 
speaking of Suicide Squad, good uh, little little teaser this week. We found out that uh, Rocky's joining the Suicide Squad. Sylvester Stallone is apparently going to be in the Suicide Squad movie. The Expendable Squad? Yeah, made by, pretty much, made by uh, the aforementioned James Gunn. They have not said what character he's playing, though, leading to some speculation that he could be the voice of King Shark, the big, giant, Mm. uh, anthropomorphized shark monster character, Um, which would probably make sense. I could see that. Uh, Mm -hmm. Because he hasn't been spotted, you know, obviously filming anything, so we haven't seen him around, so that makes sense that he would be that. But, uh, yeah, another another big star. This movie's already got a lot of star power. It's got, you know, uh, Margot Robbie and uh, Joel Kinnaman and, uh, of course, you know, Idris Elba's joined, Nathan Fillion, John Cena. So, uh, yeah, add another star to the pile. Hmm. Cool. All right. My my one is we were just you were just talking about the um, potential earnings or whatever. We don't know, blah, blah, blah. Uh, Disney has, in fact, revealed the updated subscriber numbers for Disney Plus and for Hulu, uh, surprisingly. So uh, it's quite big. They claim they've reached uh, seven, 73 million paid subscribers as of October 3rd. Um, and, and Hulu has three, 36 million subscribers. That's so quite a, a large number. We have no idea how many people are using Netflix or Amazon Prime, for that matter. Um, but, uh, you know, the, obviously the numbers are big in terms of people watching these shows, right? So, and uh, this is, you know, things like The Mandalorian and, and WandaVision all gain from this, right? Mm-hmm. As well as Hamilton. I keep forgetting about Jaime and his Hamilton, right? <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of Pixar holiday Soul. plans. Yeah, speaking of holiday plans. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And they were very pleased, it says, with the performance of how Mulan performed at the $30 rental. So that obviously did uh, did score well with people mm. in terms of, you know, home buyers or whatever. Yeah, it would be really interesting. I wish I wish more, as you say, more companies were transparent with those numbers. It'd be really interesting to compare, of course, to see mm. how that ranks against uh, a Netflix and Amazon Prime, how, the, how those audiences rank. Oh, it does say that Netflix has 100 95 million global subscribers last month. So we do have a number for, for them. Yeah, so I mean, it? considering the time frame, obviously Netflix has a large lead in being able to build yes. that, but that's still a pretty impressive number for Disney Plus so quickly. That's a lot of discs to mail. <laughs> but I mean, what, what is it, like 15 bucks a month for a Netflix account kind of thing? Well, we talked about that. There's, obviously there's tiers, right? You can get mm-hmm. them as low yeah. as $8 and then as high as I think 20-ish, depending on mm. what, you're, what you're in for. So even if you take the middle number and multiply it by a million um, yeah, you end up with a American building, you know. Yeah, I like um, I like the numbers though for for Disney Plus. I mean, they've got a good penetration point, but then they've started mm-hmm. out marketing really low too, right? Like their cost yep. per month is seven bucks, eight bucks. Plus, you can get like year long discounts and stuff like that. Like mm-hmm. it, for the content value, it's pretty high for what you're getting for what you're spending. It's it's a, a definitely very high return on investment. I pay more than double that for Netflix, and certainly their catalog is more impressive just because they've had more time at it um, as far as unique content. But as far as back catalog, frankly, I think Disney Plus might actually have gotten past them just because um, over the years, Netflix has obviously lost its leverage in being able to have exclusives and so much stuff. They lost some to Disney. They lost some to the other providers. So yeah, I think, yeah. Alrighty. Um, I'm a Europe. Yeah. So apparently Space Force, the the comedy series that Netflix has starring uh, Steve Carell has been renewed for a season two. Mm -hmm. Um, 
And this article says uh, at an awkward moment, because as we record, uh, there is a president-elect Biden. Um, keep tabs on what ends up happening there. There's too much to go into for this particular show. <laughs> but given that the premise of Space Force is that uh, it's under the uh, President Trump administration, which started a mm. real Space Force, and this is supposed to be in there, it seems a little awkward. But I've reconciled this in my head to be kind of like um, like Breaking Bad, that by the time the show actually finished, it was well beyond the the real world like 2007 2008 when it started right so um, that's how i think like oh we're still watching what ended up taking place in the year that this uh, series takes place and we know that lower decks tony newsom is one of the characters in this show mm-hmm. he's the his pilot or his helicopter pilot now tim i know you watched it did you watch it as well jaime i did and what did you guys both think of it i haven't had a chance to sit down with it yet is it worthy of a season it was, two it was okay it was okay it's sort of very steve steve corral kind of humor you know um it wasn't like uh uh, modern day Kelsey I mean, Grammer. Was, well, it was funny. I mean, it was it was worth watching and worth sort of seeing the story. I think it kind of ended on a bit of a cliffhanger, if I'm not mistaken, right? That's true. Uh, That's true. But uh, you know, not surprising. But uh, kind of based on the current administration, you know, it was you know kind of farcical that way, right? Mm. So yeah, yeah, I think it, the story is is okay. The the really real reason to watch it is for John Malkovich and Steve Carell. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they're sort of the main ones that you're really going to want to watch for. They they do make the best with with the stuff that they've got. I think it's like a B minus series, you know, maybe C plus. Mm-hmm. It's it's not terrible. I don't think it's, it's a little terrible. better than the one the one that Hugh Laurie did. Right? Did you watch that one? I watched the first couple episodes of that. I I must admit it, it never got me. I I, yeah. I walked away and never looked back. Yeah. Avenue 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 something. Avenue yes. Avenue space whatever. Yeah. yeah. Avenue five I think. Yeah. yeah. Um. It was sort of a you know. I mean it, 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 the story had been done before it's you know space 1999 meets you know a little bit of fist element but the cruise part you know mm-hmm. um you know space forces is, is is funny it had it, the thing it had some awkward you know slapsticky kind of moments you know where the technology gets in the way of of the people um, i don't know if you remember the cone of silence from get smart oh, yeah that kind of you know silliness yeah you know? yeah so you know mm. which you know which they they did really well those guys yeah all right moving on I think uh, we may have talked about the PS4 having Apple TV before. Have we talked about that? Because what caught my eye here was the PS5 uh, coming out. With... I don't know that the PS4 had Apple TV before. I don't recall it. I mean, I, yeah. it's never been necessary for me. I have both uh, an Apple TV device yeah. and also uh, I have Samsung-enabled TVs that have that built in. So right. so I can't say well, for a... sure, but I don't I don't recall it. I don't recall seeing yeah, it. Yeah, so it's a better... Um, uh, it's, it's a good move for Apple it's a good move for um for sony in that sense to have to have it available because i think we talked about playstation tv didn't really go very far right and i think i've mentioned before that what i like about my apple tv is that um it it marries my prime account and my netflix account and my disney account Mm -hmm. and all that kind of stuff together so i just have one place to go and it automatically fires up whatever app um this is a little different than than the apple tv itself because the apple tv is you know the apple tv device runs it runs a sort of an ios and uh um, or tvOS is called, but uh, this is the app. I guess has been ported over to the PlayStation platform, so you can watch your Apple TV content uh, right on the on the device, right? So you've got your, you know, you've got your system with your, your fancy 4K or whatever 27K TV, <laughs> right? Um, you can use, you know, watch PlayStation or you can watch Apple TV stuff on your PlayStation Five. But they're also, as we're saying, it's now available for download on PlayStation Four and Five. So that's why I wasn't sure if we had talked about this on the Four before. Yeah, I, I noticed it when I when we were loading up the 
five, it gives you a recommendation of sort of initial apps you may want to download. Mm -hmm. And Apple TV came up as one of the apps that you may want to download alongside Netflix. And um, can't recall if Prime was there, but there was a few that sort of popped up as these are ones you may want to start with. And of course, you can add more apps. But it caught my eye for sure, because I don't recall seeing an Apple enabled app on a Sony device before like that. Um, And yeah, you're right. It, It makes perfect sense. Obviously, if they want this to be sort of your entertainment uh, device hub where you sort of, you know, have a lot of different things. I think YouTube was one of the ones as well. Um, It makes sense. It makes sense that a lot of people use it in that form, right? Especially if you have an older television set that isn't um, capable of using that. A lot of people are going that route. This is just the TV portion. It's not the same as an Apple TV, which, you know, lets you run multiple apps and games and things. But uh, this is this is the the TV app, which is used for consuming media. Yeah. Um, And of course, it does mention here that it's a four ninety nine four ninety nine US a month subscription. But if you had buy if you buy iPhone, iPad, or Apple TV or a Mac, you get a uh, you can get a free year for for it. Yeah. And uh, which we have done. Anyway, so that's good. And sometimes they'll throw in an extra few months just because. Well, they did with me because I started in October, and I guess the 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 content isn't really up to snuff for for like I think they probably saw the writing on the wall. A lot of people would sort of probably jump if you know if if it was time. You know. Yeah, I'm gonna take the Jaime Lopez. Uh, long view of the Apple TV content to say that, you know, I might pop in if there's something that I can't live without, but so far there's nothing they've produced that I can't live without. Yeah. You know, yeah, there's no, there's no Mandalorian. There's no, no. there's nothing, nothing. I, I've, I mean, I've watched most of the, I've watched probably, I think we talked about it, maybe 75% of the stuff that's relatively, relatively new for the show. I've watched it, you know, obviously movies and things like that too that I own already, but yeah, I haven't rented any movies or whatever on the Apple TV. So mm-hmm. that, you know, I've only ever rented or I mean uh, you know it's it's the it's the medium popcorn argument sometimes you know the the price is so cheap to just go and buy buy the movie that renting it doesn't make sense mm-hmm. you know unless unless they do this thing like you know like they could do that with with say Wonder Woman that kind of stuff they could rent it to people on these systems and then not let you buy it until they're ready to release it right so they could try that as a as a model for seeing how much people would buy right yeah if, in case you're listening we take a commission <laughs> we're not proud you know <laughs> anyway uh homie what do you got for us very quickly is the trailer for Batman Soul of the Dragon, which is coming to Blu-ray and digital in January. Um, this is an animated movie of uh, Batman that is very 1970s. It has got the, uh, the the 70s era kung fu and black exploitation feel going to it, so could be an interesting one. Hmm. Does it have the repeating back backgrounds and stuff? Yeah. No, it's a little <laughs> higher quality. <laughs> like Scooby-Doo or something running by. <laughs> yeah, for the Flintstones, they run by the same chair 20 times yeah 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 have you been keeping up with all the animated uh dc properties jaime I, I i've watched some but i've missed the last sort of few i've been watching the justice league dark and stuff no i was for a while and then they, they just have so many of them and there's like a handful on netflix so i'm really hoping that there is some section of hbo max or something that just has them all collected the way the mcu is on disney plus yeah i was disappointed because uh they it was a while back it was probably a good four year four four or five years ago they switched animation styles they were doing a lot of the the um dc universe stuff was following that sort of bruce tim batman animated series style of animation and i really liked that and then they started sort of experimenting where some of the series they were doing adaptations of comic storylines and some of them they were trying to sort of pay homage to the artists that originally drew it so they were doing the art style in the style of the artist and i was okay with that sometimes it worked and sometimes it didn't 
And now they've gone to an animated style that is sort of very unusual. It's kind of a hybrid between anime and uh, traditional North American style animation. And I don't love it all the time. Sometimes the stories are good and I can, I'm just fine. But sometimes it, it catches me and I, if I'm not enjoying the story as much, I, I sort of devolve into the minutia and think like, this isn't working. All right. Uh, another piece of good news. The uh, Vertigo series DMZ has been in development with HBO for a little while now with Ava DuVernay doing the uh, show running on that one. And they announced today that they are going to be uh, on HBO Max. They're going ahead with what they're calling an event series. So it sounds like they're not going to do it as a an ongoing. It's not going to be multiple seasons. It sounds like it's going to be, you know, a, a certain number a finite number of um, episodes in the vein of um, um, oh goodness what was that show with uh, all the f- famous actresses that was on uh, <laughs> like Birds of Prey maybe? No maybe. no I was thinking about the one with uh, Mer- Meryl Streep and um, Ocean's uh, Nicole Kidman and Reese Witherspoon they just it was on um, HBO and it was an event, like the same thing the little is an event series it was basically like eight episodes um, Pretty Little Liars no that's not it it's something with three words Mrs. America no. anyway there are many series that, that are going this route now that are basically doing their, um, you know, event series there instead of doing a, a you know, it's just going to go on and on. They basically do, you know, little bits and pieces. It makes sense for this, although, you know, I, it ran for, you know, I think 50 or 60 issues in the comic. I wonder if that is um, going to be a little limiting to the story. But on the bright side of it, Ava DuVernay is a great filmmaker. Um, Rosario Dawson is going to be the star. It sounds like it's a similar but not the same premise the premise of the comic is around a photojournalist who is very raw and he gets basically embedded on um he gets embedded in new york city big little lies by the way is the one that popped into my head um he gets embedded in new york city which is the demilitarized zone following uh the second u.s civil war and he is basically trying to survive in this really messed up environment where it's kind of lawless and a little chaotic in the adaptation that as they've described it in this release today it is rosario dawson is playing this character whose uh son is trapped in the dmz and so she has to basically navigate this very lawless crazy place similar similar place but different scenario where she is now going to go into this place to try and recover her son so it'll be interesting to see how it turns out the story of dmz the concept is well executed the idea that uh you know the red states the blue states can't play nice anymore and it all just sort of devolves into um you know chaos and violence and then you know there are these places where it's sort of the gray area is is very well very well realized in the comic i'll be very curious to see how well that works on the screen and i'll also be curious because obviously um things are very politically divided south of our canadian border right now so it'll be uh, interesting to see how uh poignant and relevant that could be all right cool Another little uh, little taste of something that's coming. So there's going to be a new Wonder Girl series coming to the CW. Now, there's been Wonder a Girl. few characters that have been Wonder Girl. So this would be like the uh, junior Wonder Woman. There have been a few Wonder Girls over the years. Most famously, Donna Troy, who was a member of the Teen Titans. And, uh, of course, the new Teen Titans, all those different iterations of that over the years. Um, was, a you know, a well-known character and has been spun off into different things 
in the animated world and other things. This one is really interesting. The reason why I wanted to mention it was because they're actually basing this series around a character that hasn't even debuted yet. So Ooh. this January, they're doing an event series uh, for DC Comics. DC Comics is basically shutting down all its regular books for the entire month of January, and they're doing this um, event, event where they are sort of looking at the future of... Uh, of DC Comics within this sort of one contained event. Uh, it's called Future State. And in Future State, they're basically looking at like, you know, it's basically a reboot of the universe. So I can't recall if we talked about this previously. They were going to do, I'm told, a complete reboot of the DC universe for the umpteenth time uh, was in the offing for this year um, prior to the DC bloodletting. They were going to mm. do this. Uh, apparently not everybody was happy with it. And the people who were for it have all moved on and the people who were against it are now the ones in charge but they had already done all this work so what they decided to do is basically take those you know introductions of the new characters and and use this as a giant sort of event thing and then they're just going to go back to their regular business but if some of these characters hit then they'll find ways to work them into dc continuity i'm sure so all of that preamble to say this character that they're introducing in january is going to be the new wonder woman her name is yara floor f L-O-R, and she is going to be the, the new Wonder Woman. Well, that's the character that they're going to base this series for CW that they're developing on, which is a really hmm. strange choice. So, obviously, they're privy to all the possibilities of all these different things and, you know, why it works and why it's different and all these other things because they already have the work in hand. But it's really interesting choice that they are going to develop a whole series around a character that no one's ever seen before. And then give it a name that people are familiar with to a certain extent and to root it into the DC universe, which again is sort of right now it's CW's bread and butter. So interesting choices all around. Yes. I've stunned you both into silence. I can tell you're in, in totally have, engrossed. I have no comment. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm trying to think of how they, they roll with it. Uh, I could see why there might be some confusion of like, oh, is it like Superboy where this is young Wonder Woman? And it's not. And I guess having it be the Latinx character is like, well, obviously when you look at the person, they don't look like Gal Gadot. So it's like oh okay it's another person who's younger and has a similar title okay i got you now where's the toys right yeah where's the happy meals and stuff <laughs> like that right like I, I think that's probably how they're going to roll with it yeah and it is i will say as a good point Jaime. this article that i've got a link to from uh deadline does point out the character is uh latina and she's supposed to be the um child of an amazon warrior and a brazilian river god who discovers that she has these powers and decides to sort of take up this mantle and everything else um, the series is being led by um, a Latina uh, person, and uh, the character, the lead character, is going to obviously be Latina too. So this is obviously all positive that um, that we're making more progressive steps towards uh, representation across uh, you know the superhero genre, um, and that is definitely very commendable. And maybe that's why it was just easier to do it this way, but um, with a character that people aren't familiar with, that they wouldn't get any of these kind of you know nonsensical backlashes of like, oh, Superman's not black that you can't be black you know um mm. so yeah it'll be, it'll be interesting to see if that um resonates too 
And my last bit, Johnny Five is alive. They are remaking mm-hmm. Short Circuit. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know how to feel about it. The original Short Circuit, 1985. Um, a bit cheesy. A period piece, Steve, for sure. Steve Gutenberg, Ali Sheedy. Um, one of the worst racial stereotype Indian characters ever played by a white guy. So that that's yeah. not good. Mm-hmm. Um, so it doesn't hold up well over the course of time. You can't watch that movie now and be like, oh, this is great. It's heartwarming. You, you get taken out of it by um, Fisher Stevens bad Indian stereotype character pretty fast and it's even more glaring in, in Short Circuit 2 because he's the central character along with Johnny Five and and yeah it's it's not not so good now, just a side note here a good friend of mine was actually in Short Circuit 2 there you go which mm-hmm. it was filmed in Toronto wasn't it at the Eaton Center there you go there you go yep. uh, this is back before we were Hollywood North too yeah um, so I guess I understand the concept is is in of itself timeless the idea is that this inanimate thing is brought to life and uh, you know it's the pinocchio story right this inanimate thing is brought to life and has these adventures based on the yeah. fish out of water i don't know anything because i was just a robot and now i'm a, a living thing kind of stuff so i think you could make this movie a hundred times in a hundred different similar ways and it would always work so i completely understand it and of course brand recognition there will be you know the parents will take their kids who once saw short circuit and yada 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 and maybe steve gutenberg gets a cameo and okay it's fine but i don't know i it's not high on my list of to-dos i don't know how you guys feel about short circuit the short circuit verse yeah it's uh <laughs> it definitely is a bit problematic in the modern era with the benjamin jarvie character um uh i would say that the, the the two movies are are pretty interesting um i do hope that they use mostly practical effects for for this remake mm. um i don't think it works quite as well when you don't have the the physical character there and, and the the character holds up really well because it was like a puppet and mm-hmm. um you know electronics and and now like they could probably have the dang thing mostly self-contained right mm-hmm. uh, with modern tech so i hope to go with that um i will say that short circuit 2 is pretty traumatic in its um ending scenes yeah um it, it's just like makes you cry <laughs> like uh if you don't know go watch the the movie um it's available on like a bazillion different like free streaming service places um and yeah i'm not sure i'm not sure how how it'll work i mean it, it's not like it will diminish the original that it exists if the, the remake's not so great and maybe um maybe they can find a, an approach to it i'm, I'm not 100 percent certain what angle they'll take for the the premise because it, it, johnny five or number five in in the first one was a Cold War weapons program mm-hmm. item, and Operation he was gotcha last. Yeah, and he's like, oh, you know, <laughs> he's not even unique in any way. He's the fifth one, and I can't remember how many there were. Maybe there were only five. Yeah. Um. So it, it definitely spoke to a different era, and I wonder, um, I wonder if you can have the oh yeah, this this machine that's intended to like deliver nukes to take out the the Soviets. Um, what will they do? I don't know. Maybe they'll give it like a more modern like anti terrorist angle or something and there will yeah. be complicated stuff but so yeah, i, I kind of wonder about that i, I kind of wonder but you know what um you can kind of update some things like you know originally iron man was very heavily tied to the um the vietnam war is that right um and and they've updated the modern iron man sort of backstory to to have a lot of the same essential themes but not be as tied to the specific era so mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. maybe maybe but the uh the the latinx um angle to it made me 
post the, uh, the the clairvoyant follow-up here that says, like, what? they already covered that in Short Circuit 2. There already was a Latinx uh, uh, angle. And uh, the short clip here is where the uh, the Hispanic gang has, has yeah. vandalized <laughs> Johnny Five, and he doesn't even realize that that's what happened. Not even, not, not exactly the best representation of the Latino community uh, at all. <laughs> it's just... No, no. It's, it's just it's the definitely... worst stereotype of the 1980s, uh, the way they portrayed Latinos in the in film it's very on brand with the um indian face white yeah. guy actor <laughs> yeah. sort of thing so at least it's like, you know consistent thematically yeah so this movie is basically just an apology to the to the, to the community for the last one <laughs> yeah <laughs> can i just as a quick aside how do you feel as as uh somebody of that heritage do you how are you with the term latin latinx i'm complicated and probably because of my age so i mm. am I, I identify with Gen X more closely as being younger Gen X, but apparently they moved the bars uh, on the timeline and said, no, 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 you're actually early, older millennial. Um, and I feel like I'd have to be closer to like the true sort of sweet spot of millennial to have it make sense. Mm. Um, for a very long time in my life, it was uh, Latino. And, and and I understand the aspect of that not being uh, inclusive because it is the, the masculine form of, mm. of, of the term which wouldn't mm. wouldn't necessarily be inclusive of Latinas, even though to me, again, as a Latino male, I'm like, oh, what's the problem? It's like, well, you don't see the problem because sure. you, you don't you don't hear it from like it not fitting you. So I, I understand it from that aspect, but it, it feels like there should be an alternative term because it's a very weird term. Like when I read it for the very first time, I was like, so how do I read this? Because it should be like Latinx or something. And, mm. and I think I've heard people say Latinx. I'm like, but that just puts English at the very end of it. Yeah, <laughs> this feels yeah. like a regression in the other direction for a different problem yeah yeah i, I just find it interesting because i've seen obviously these both these stories we just talked through have that presence and it's certainly starting to become more of the vernacular um as sort of a pc term that encro that in, in uh encapsulates those those male and female and of course gender neutrality and all these different factors so i get why you want one but then i've also seen pushback especially because my job is very deeply in social media so i'm on there all the time and some people hate it they just hate it so i don't know i don't know I, i'm curious to see uh to, to uh understand if this is something that is a better way to go forward or if there's this is just one of those you know like it's a stepping stone to where we ought to be yeah i'm, I'm guessing awkward stepping stone mm. um as folks have let me spend 30 seconds on this because again this is one of those things that i never really had to think about what is the distinction because all three of these terms actually do apply to me given mm. my background mm -hmm. mexican american heritage so uh hispanic is apparently all people peoples who have Spanish-speaking background, which notably does not include, like, the people of Portugal or Portuguese-speaking folks or like Brazil Brazilians. Or, yeah, yeah. Right? So, you know, Latin America, Mexico, Guatemala, Chile, Argentina, all the... It, probably Spain itself. Latino covers the Latin America heritage, which coincidentally includes a lot of those same people, but also starts lumping in folks like Brazilians, who, who don't speak Spanish, again, mm. speak Portuguese, um, and, and others. Distinctly does not include the Spaniards because they're not in Latin America. And then you have Chicano, which mm. is uh, very specific to Mexican heritage, which I do have. So again, for me, like people are like, <laughs> oh, which one? I'm like, I don't know. I don't care. Because I, I knew all three applied, but I never really thought about the actual distinct differences. 
so uh talking about the as happened in the election is like talking about the latino vote is kind of like talking about like the asian vote mm-hmm. and then you have to start talking about like oh well you know that includes india as well right mm-hmm. like and, and gets really awkward and weird it's like okay we probably need a better term then for to make this more clear yeah yeah interesting let's get hyped yeah on 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 brand for the the, the well-timed wonder woman 1984 on hbo max is the official teaser update to justice league director's cut and we should get super hyped we don't have a date i highly suspect <laughs> it will be just very interestingly timed after the uh wonder woman 1984 month subscriptions end right uh either overlapping so that you get the first part of the director's cut of the four part for those who don't remember uh or none at all and then haha we got you to subscribe for another month sort of thing um and it's definitely going to be a completely different movie the tone is so different you see characters like uh dark side which is roughly the dc thanos or thanos is the dc sorry the marvel uh dark side um and uh other stuff like um cyborg's dad going all mr manhattan or Mm. dr manhattan uh and like disintegrating and all sorts of weird cool stuff that looks like uh a lot going on yeah it it looks good and then there was a little little tease this week they said that there's only going to be about four or five minutes of of brand new shot content that's going to be added to it a lot of it is just uh updating visual effects that were never finished and then re-piecing mm-hmm. the, the isn't it gonna be shot. like six hours long or something like that four plus yeah wow yeah and, and apparently it also again take this with a grain of salt these are all you know blogosphere rumors but there is word that it does very neatly set up a sequel all right well that's it folks we're at the part of the show where we talk about star trek discovery season three episode six scavengers and this time jaime is going to do the recap so take it away jaime. yeah so we start off with a beautiful scene of the uss discovery getting a refit or retrofit depending on how you think about that with new cool technology such as the uh disconnected warp nacelles that uh, they had noticed on in a previous episode on the voyager j and um other tech but also a dash a designation on the disco um i don't know if we want to talk about that now or if we want to talk about that uh, as uh, later in the recap yeah that was an interesting one the the decision to to consider that a brand new version of the ship so much so that it's got a new designation get into the history of the a's i mean there's gonna be a new model kit do we need to get into the history of the designation a and why why it's used and what it means again sometimes it means it's a brand new ship sometimes it means it's retrofit right does it? Oh, okay. Hmm. Well, the the only there there have been re renames of exist like the USS Yorktown becoming the Enterprise A or the Sao Paulo becoming the USS Defiant. Mm-hmm. It didn't get marked as A because of money to change an actual model, but it's effectively an A. There have been new you know dash letters like the Enterprise D, B, and C, and and others. It's because Kirk blew them up, though, right? Yeah, yeah and uh, <laughs> this so is why we usually, can't like, have nice things. Things. Usually an honor thing, I think, <laughs> and I'm surprised that they didn't cover this in the episode, that you either have the, the more realistic take, which is, well, the discovery is supposed to have uh, been lost many, many years ago, and um, it's kind of weird to have this old ship hanging around, so let's just pretend it's a new ship with in honor of that original ship, right? And and uh, that way it won't be quite as, as weird of a story to, to cover with the time uh, timey-wimey stuff 
stuff. Or you go the, um, I don't know if they have this television show in Canada, so I apologize. You go the, uh, this old house route where sometimes <laughs> they leave nothing but the fireplace and they've mm-hmm. built an entire new dang house and pretend that it's, uh, you know, an upgrade to an existing house. Right. Yep. Yeah. Yes, we know who Norm Abrams is and Bob Vila <laughs> and those guys. I suspect that maybe he was Canadian or something, you know, because like no, no, secret no, no, Canadians no. everywhere, but I wasn't yeah. sure. He wore a lot of flannel. Yeah. yeah. For New England. Anyway, carry on. Yeah. Uh, so we get into um, Saru speeching and meeting with the uh, with the Admiral and, and presumed a senior staff for the Admiral talking about, you know, Discovery's been spending, you know, a few weeks getting you know, retrofit and the crew is getting retrained and learning, you know, new stuff about what they've missed and what's going on. And it goes into a sort of a situation room for the, the Admiral of like, okay, well, this ship needs to go over here to take care of this problem. And, oh, there's bad things going on in the neighborhood over here. So this ship isn't going to go over there. And Saru is like, yo, uh, you know, the lithium is hard to, to come by after the burn. And, you know, we can just be there instantaneously and, and go through this really fast. And Adam's like, I understand your enthusiasm. However, uh, you're our fast responder and we want to just save you for like real critical situations, right? Where we actually need your speed, not because it's convenient, right? I don't want you off doing something else completely out of communication and then coming back and whoops, we sure could have used you for the actual emergency to come up, right? That um, I think it's going to be an interesting balance here for the discovery where they're the, like the emergency firefighters and and not the, um, you know, let's go see what's happening. Let's, let's take this, let's take this, you know, um, this bride, this mail order bride and deliver it to this ambassador somewhere, right? It's going to be like, no, 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 this is for truly critical situations. Yeah. And I think it's going to lead to some interesting uh, quandaries for the ship. It was a science vessel, right? Like they say that explicitly in the previous episode, we're a science vessel, we're explorers, we are, you know, used to mysteries, solving mysteries and figuring out new things and all that stuff. This puts them, you're exactly right. I mean, it puts them in the position of being completely the opposite of that. Yeah, and and from previous episodes where I said that I watched Discovery on uh, on the broadcast to see what that was like on on CBS, I was reminded of the fact, and they haven't talked about this as much in season two or season three. But Stamets was really angry that he's like, "I'm a scientist. Why am I being drafted into this war to use my technology for fighting?" Mm-hmm. Right, and and so I wonder if if they might come back to that approach of like, "I thought we were a science vessel. Why the heck are we going out and firefighting here? Why are we why are we blowing stuff up?" Why are we doing, you know, probably shady things they're going to have to do in the future um, versus why don't we go out and explore? Yeah, I, I think it does set up an interesting um, just internal conflict. The idea that they are now the opposite of what they intended themselves to be. Right. right. Um, so we hear about uh, Osira and uh, the Emerald Chain are apparently causing trouble in, in some neighborhood. I didn't write the notes on Philadelphia. Where. Yeah, yeah <laughs> Philadelphia. Atlanta, come on. <laughs> With Will Smith. Um, and uh, then we see that the, the, the disco crew has gotten those, those new cool badges that are just like the all-in-one Swiss Army knife that's got the holographic pad and communicators, which actually, you know, we saw from TNG era. Uh, tricorders built in and personal transporters built in. It's just like an all-in-one sort of thing. So I got to say the orientation of this new crew is like really bad in the future they just throw them new tools and <laughs> expect them to know exactly how to use them in dangerous situations and stuff so yeah i think i got more training on how to use microsoft teams and they got to use the personal transporters yeah. or the columns or the columns which we'll talk about in a second. yeah yeah i i think if this was um if this was lower decks they definitely would play the or like oh you know i'm gonna leave for dramatic effect and then uh well i guess that wasn't the transporter but hey you 
know, that medical problem you had is going away. So <laughs> well done on that, you know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, and we see that the other parts of the ship have gotten upgraded uh, internally as well, and that the um, the consoles for the con and, and navigation have the programmable matter uh, that you interact with, uh, still using a very similar design to keep the Discovery crew like not too bent out of shape of how different it is. And the apparently holographic interface will just adjust to whatever you need. So it's not a, not a generic user interface. It is literally whatever makes sense for you personally. And you see, like, um, I forget his name, but the, the weapons officer, Reese, Reese, I want to say his name is, yes. um, it, you know, takes a little like model of the, of the ship and sort of moves it around. So you can see that tactical has some interesting uses there. Yeah. I think it was you last week, Jaime, that called it the minority report, uh, stuff. It's very much so it feels like you, you know, move this with your hand, twist this, do that. How yeah. does that feel? Yeah. Um, and, and speaking of the personal transporters, uh, the alien engineer or ops, I can't remember what he is, a scientist or something, uh, Linus, uh, <laughs> accidentally beams himself into the captain's chair instead of the mess hall where he wanted to be, which in, at this time in my notes, if a damn liar, like you, you just wanted to pretend and go sit in that captain's chair. And this is your, your opportunity to fake it without getting you know reprimanded for it. Yeah. Linus always gets the best cameos. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and then we see a, a, a different scene where um, there's a hologram of Book talking about the um, uh, finding a black box that um, he has uh, he, he's been able to find. It's over in the Bajoran Exchange. Uh, apparently these black boxes come from destroyed burn ships. But Michael says, hey, if the burn happened simultaneously everywhere at once, all of those ships should have been destroyed at the same exact microsecond. But they've she's already gotten two in the past year when she was sort of traveling around without the disco. And it's slightly off, which implies that there might be an origin from which the burn emanated from, right? Mm. Idea being that the closer you were to the burn, the, the you know, earlier in time that the, the explosions would have happened for you as opposed to as you were further away in the galaxy. Mm-hmm. So now, isn't the cat driving the ship at that point? Well the cat is the only yeah. occupant of the ship anyways was that come later or? no no that's that's the scene grudge grudge shows up in book's ship and that's where they get the the yeah. data download about the um yeah the black right. boxes yeah i don't think we talked about the cat right? no we didn't talk about the cute scene with the with the cat uh on the on the view screen um okay. <laughs> grudge is the cat's name grudge come up later yeah uh so michael wants to go you know help book and Saru's like look i understand what you're trying to do here but like you can't do this right we need you here to, to follow orders and, and we have a particular mission that we need and and discovery might be told to go you know take care of one of those neighborhood problems the first responder and we can't have the discovery just going out there without its commander without its you know number one its first officer um so of course michael goes immediately to Giorgio. it was like hey here's this thing i want to do it was like yeah you already had me at like you know unsanctioned mission let's just yeah. go do it right that's, yeah. that's your character <laughs> yeah uh, so you know michael and Giorgio uh, end up taking book ship and heading to the planet hunhao and on on route, Jarjo gets this weird memory or vision, like it's this weird shocking thing that she sees of um, the the Terran Empire logo and uh, her bloody hand and somebody who's wearing I don't know like like a funeral mask or a Spider Man mask. I don't I couldn't tell what it was. How quickly and briefly they showed, and she says San, you know, which I yeah. it was the person's name, and clearly there's a lot of emotion going on there. Um, but this this might be what she was encountering when we saw last episode where she was completely out of it and didn't respond at all to Michael for a good few seconds. Um, that will come up later in the episode of what's going on there. So we see this 
more than once. Um, so the, the the ship that they're on, book ship, I can't remember if it has a name, but uh, book ship uh, arrives um, at Hunhao. Uh, it has a whole bunch of like scrap just sort of around the planet from the burn. Um, and apparently, this is you know like this junkyard scrapyard where they do sort of take pieces from from these uh, ships and like use it for stuff, right? Use it for the the raw materials. Mm-hmm. Uh, in in orbit though, um, Georgiou's quarreling with a uh, person named Tolar, who is a um, Orion uh, person about like, you know, will they allow him on the planet or not? And they go back and forth. He's like, look, bro, like I have real dilithium. So, you know, your boss is going to be real mad if you don't let me land and, and trade. Right. And that, you know, convinces him like, all right, let's go for it. And we learned that um, Book apparently had this uh, cat collar thing for grudge that uh, he could use to figure out where the cat was, but that Michael has reverse engineered it to do the opposite direction and, and try to track Book and see where the heck he is. And it meows. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know why it meows, but it does. <laughs> so that made me laugh. Every, both times it went off and it meowed, I laughed. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, and, and we do end up with a scene of Tilly going to say uh, hello to Grudge and Grudge being uh, very cat-like and just having no no concept of personal space climbing all over uh, Tilly until they having to like bend and contort awkwardly until he's like, all right, let's put you back in the box. And nope, as cats do, they like to run under the bed where it's very difficult to, to get them out from. And uh, we're back on the planet where um, Talor, who's the uh, the nephew of, of the aforementioned Osira, uh, greets Michael and Giorgio. They're claiming that um, that Michael is like a slave or subordinate of, of some fashion to uh, to Captain Giorgio. That's their, their, their undercover story. And they're walking around looking for, for old tech, like 24th century self-stealing sem- uh, stem bolts. Oh, such a great callback. Self-stealing great callback stem bolts. To, to the uh, the Node-J Alliance yeah. consortium. I forget what they called it, but it was uh, Nog and Jake from Deep Space Nine yeah. ended up with a whole load of uh, self-stealing, self-stealing stem, stem bolts. bolts. Um, you've got a, a hand phaser, a type 2 phaser from the TNG era. Um, yep. And we do see this Andorian, who we later learn his name, Rin, who's uh, not looking too great. He's got his uh, antenna cut off, um, or he's missing them is what we know at the time. And he puts this weird device on a man and and it's like a little like a little uh like button circle implant thing around the the nape of the neck and they put one of those and, on r2g2 and c3po and uh in star wars <laughs> it, it, it is pretty restraining, restraining bolt yeah restraining bolt it is it is pretty similar it it does make me think given what we learned of its use case that it's kind of like if you've ever seen um battle royale it's kind mm. of like those little mm-hmm. neck thingies that they wear um my mind went to running doesn't... man it was running man immediately oh yeah 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 yeah. that's right that's right yeah this is the scene in running man where the exact same it, it like plays out like it's a shot for shot homage yeah 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 so so of course book is there so he's part of the uh the enslaved labor there picking through all the scrap um and apparently this this bajoran is uh uh accused or and i believe confesses to stealing a water ration right he was just a little thirsty and he's forced into this sick game for his life where we learn that those those little uh disc things are part of the security system where they have this perimeter wall it's not a not a physical wall but it's like a, a an electronic digital wall that if you run out past it it uh it will cause the the top of your head to be blown clean off by that little implant mm-hmm. which in my notes i wrote that it's kind of like what anakin skywalker described in in the prequels where he said they they implant this thing in you so you can walk around wherever you want but if they discover you left like they can just blow you up remotely right and, and this happens in that sick game where the tolor has, has got his uh handgun and is is told the man hey 
hey, go run. You know, it, you know, we were doing some maintenance, so it might not kill you, but uh, this gun will definitely kill you. So I'm just going to keep shooting to convince you to run out there and make a point of you. Um, and we we see uh, Adira back on the on the disco and uh, Gray um, chatting. They're in engineering and, and and talking about how they're you know not really getting out and doing much. It seems like Adira has gone very sort of I would say internally focused, except they are actually talking to what they perceive to be somebody else. It's still kind of unclear what exactly gray is manifestation you know uh, spirits just a weird way that that uh, the symbiont works with uh, with a non-trill uh, host um, but nevertheless you know uh, stamets comes in and he's like not happy with the layout changes that have occurred uh, in in his uh, section of engineering given the the refit of, of the disco and uh, apparently uh, adira has has done him a real solid she's like hey i've i've redesigned the spore drive interface so we don't have to use those weird needle shunt things on your arm we've got this cool like holographic gel thing that hey it also is non-greasy it leaves no yeah. stains <laughs> like those really good sunblocks new and improved with goo yeah yeah um and so we go back to oh, hang on. Uh, we, we, one more thing oh, in there. Yeah, it's, it's worth worth raising we get our second funny linus cameo in there too where he just materializes in the middle of the engineering department and is once again like stupid self-transporter not taking me where i need to go so it starts to become a running gag that that uh, (laughs) can't figure out how to work the personal transporter yeah 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 um so so back on the planet on how uh georgia is asking about the explosion tech the the little like wall tech um and tolar's like that it's not for sales proprietary and Georgia's like oh where where do you keep the control unit for he's oh that's a secret she's like whatever man i can tell you keep touching the stupid device in your pocket (laughs) you know so i know it's there um and this gives an opportunity for michael and book to reconnect right when she's like slave go find me this whatever right go give me this piece and um it turns out that he you know he has the black box hidden in his uh his cell or quarters wall i guess um and that the andorian rin who i think now we get his name uh was once part of the emerald chain but was trying to rally people to his side of like hey we can we can do better than this and got stomped on and his antenna cut off in in punishment and now he's basically a lackey but he's he's a decent person right he's forced into an unfortunate situation that like if he doesn't cooperate here with what he's having to do then he's going to die a very very slow death so he's in a in a no-win scenario yeah. back over on the disco uh tilly is leading the team on you know understanding the changes the upgrades the spore drives so that they can be ready and prepared uh, if, if and when they have to use it and if things go awry and uh saru wants a, a little chit chat a little private chit chat he talks about you know the situation with michael figures out that okay he's actually gone bookship is gone what the heck's going on and tilly is a total narc <laughs> it's like you have to tell the admiral and yeah he's a little shocked and he's just like look dude like if you don't tell the admiral and you're explicitly the one who knows and doesn't tell like it paints the entire discovery crew with the same negative brush so you it's a it's a terrible situation but you have to be the one to tell him that like here's what's going on here's what happened it was a strangely maybe not strangely but it was a particularly astute observation from tilly who is not necessarily known for those kind of astute moments but i think it speaks to her relationship with michael too like she has a complicated relationship with michael too yeah and i think it shows some of her growth from being the really naive cadet Mm -hmm. in the very first part of of season one and and when she says oh uh, i think if i was in michael's situation i would have made the same choice and sir was like i don't think you would have right i think you're a very different person than 
than, than Michael that you might have your heart might have been wanting to do it but I don't think you would have actually done it yeah uh, so distractions have occurred in um, in the, uh, uh, the the junkyard and so Tolar has to, to leave um, Giorgio and uh, Michael alone for a while he's like whatever just have the drone watch them right at least have somebody observing them well during this time they they walk over into this little area pretending that they're looking for tritanium Michael picks up this metal piece in the drone analyzes like that's not tritanium and then immediately gets bashed yeah. by Michael who just you know acts it to bits I wrote it down as drone pinata <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's essentially what it was just floating in there yeah and so you know book and Rin take this opportunity to to plot to leave like you know do you think you can convince people that like these folks are coming to save us they're they're going to be able to shut off the wall and we can all run out of here and uh Giorgio makes a uh, a little device out of the out of the scrap uh pieces there and we end up you know, switching back over to uh to the Starfleet base where Saru eats so much crap in front of the admiral as he has to explain oh, yeah. what ended up happening here right this is a terrible situation to be in as a leader where hey let me tell you about this terrible thing that happened under my command yeah um I think anybody's ever had to manage people understands that moment of well my team member did this but i'm the one who's gonna have to <laughs> eat the crap burger exactly exactly um you know stuff happens on on the planet in the junkyard tolor takes uh michael and Giorgio captive uh they're over in the little like you know, control center area and this is the opportunity for book to to lead the charge of like hey we can leave now like we we gotta go Let's stop you know viva la revolution sort of thing <laughs> and uh michael and Giorgio like fight the captors but oh no Giorgio has another one of those visions where she's just like it's in a trance or or stuck ptsd style and this is while michael is getting the life choked out of her she's like get the stupid control help me out here eventually she does come back to her senses she just you know kicks tolor and steals the device to turn off the perimeter wall um you've got uh, uh rin out the, out the door taking one for the team uh pushing book out of the way and getting and shot himself um but uh michael and Giorgio pilot book ship in to save the day and they pew 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 all the all the guards as best they can and they beam rin and book on board uh Giorgio takes this opportunity to blast the old ships like miranda class ships and hiawatha class ships that were like, hovering above the camp so that uh they crash in and destroy you know that little uh, camp slash junkyard there and then they warp the heck out of there i did like that she felt the need to use the 1980s action movie punchline salvage this <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> um and you've got uh book giving michael the black box he's like you know here's the here's the one we came here for which is and, not a box uh, it was a tube i mean what the heck yeah i mean better. i guess in commercial aircraft here in in the 2020s they're they're not black either they're like bright orange they're meant to be easily found yeah. at least they are box shaped i will give them that this one is more like a like a tube um michael goes over to uh to Giorgio is like yo what's what's up what what happened there was not not cool what's going on and Giorgio you know explains like hey you know, she's had this problem been for a couple weeks and michael's like why didn't you tell me like we could help you and i was like you will not tell anyone here this is going on and michael's like look this isn't the terran universe having a weakness isn't you know the kiss of death for you this isn't like you you can get help from people um but but clearly they're at an impasse there as to to, to what to to deal with um, and how to deal with this situation so there's a bit of a rift there between them the, the lack of trust given the 
that uh, like Giorgio throws in your face. They're like, hey, there was another Michael Burnham who told me some things and they betrayed me. All right. So it's rough. They've got a very complicated sort of mother daughter relationship between these these two characters that uh, I'm sure will get explored in future episodes. Mm-hmm. We're over in the mess hall now where Stamets sees Adira talking to themselves, uh, but they're actually not They're They're talking to Gray um, and, and they, they have some you know pretty good conversation and, and Stamets sort of takes it all in stride. They're like, oh yeah, so my boyfriend Gray, they're not actually gone. It's who I got the, the Trill symbiont from. And he's, I mean, it's unstated, but he essentially says we're on a mushroom ship. <laughs> you don't yeah. have to explain to me. I just take your word for it. Yeah. <laughs> and my partner was dead and now isn't dead and I've seen all kinds of stuff. Yeah. 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 And, uh, and, and also Adira is like helpful here. She's like, Hey, we can remove those implants. Like the new interface, you won't need those weird things in your arms anymore. Um, and, uh, apparently Rin is okay. He's is in, in, uh, sick bay. And this gives book and, and Michael a little chance to talk and they go over to the turbo lift. He stops the turbo lift and, and they have a little tender moment, which for the running gag, Linus beams in <laughs> again. <laughs> I can't remember where he was trying to go, but obviously it wasn't there. Yeah. Uh, and he beams out and they do something that I didn't expect them to do. I thought this was the trope of will they, won't they? Okay this breaks the tension they won't but no they actually do have the kiss yeah it was well played it was well played to kiss her yeah yeah yeah. they they subverted my expectation because i thought they were leaning into the trope there with uh with Mm -hmm. linus Mm -hmm. um in a in a in a different different tender moment uh culver culver and stamets talk about adira and and what's going on there and like hey this this person who's all about work uh, does that kind of remind you of anyone um and you, you you you've got the whole situation of like you know i I know what it was like to lose somebody who's not really gone because as you guys mentioned that like Culber had died, but he's back, you know, and that's sort of weird that, that life and death was sort of a, a non-sequential, non sort of binary sort of situation. Mm-hmm. We have uh, some, some more eaten poop where Michael and Saru talk with Admiral, Admiral, Admiral Vance. And uh, he just lays it out and he's like, what am I about to tell you? Which is like very sheepishly. Well, there is a hundred fires to be putting out every day and we can't be spending time on figuring out the source of the burn which re- let's remind folks this happened like over a hundred years ago right mm-hmm. this is like modern era people trying to solve like hey remember the spanish flu we need to solve the source of that it's like who cares we've got our own problems going on right now like it's gone yeah from their perspective right y- you've got after that you know uh, saru and and michael talk about the situation and you know what saru as as much as he appreciates the you know where Michael's heart is and where her 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 talents are useful, but it really comes down to trust, and he can't trust her to be his first officer, his number one. So she is effectively uh, effective immediately. She is demoted to just only chief science officer duties and Saru, you know, leaves her behind and presumably uh, transports to the, the disco. And we have the ending scene of Michael taking off her badge and she just considers. It's implied as to what she's considering, but uh, we're left with just the closing shot of her just considering what she will do next. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I had trouble with the, the ending of the show because the whole gee, I'm really sorry and the, you know, the, the it's easier to ask for forgiveness than, than permission kind of approach to this way she, she 
and Giorgio run away and tell the, I mean, not that I didn't enjoy the, you know, the pew pew and the running around and the, you know, guy getting his head lasered off and whatever. Um, but the, the way they handled the ending there, I, I don't know, <laughs> you know, we'll, we'll leave it up to you to decide your own fate kind of thing, you know, um, was really hokey and I don't know. Yeah. Although I, I guess I get what the issue was is that, you know, Vance doesn't want to immediately, um, put all this on Saru when Saru had been very forthright about the certain situation. Right. So mm-hmm. I think he was rightly saying, okay, so Saru, you were, you were up front with me. It's on you to figure out what you want to do about this. And Saru made the right call. And, and Burnham even says you made the right call. Like you're right. I don't deserve to be your number one because that's not how I'm going to act. All right. And she is a convicted criminal. I just want to point that yeah, out. Yeah. So, so I've got four questions because <laughs> that seems to be the way these episodes are going now. All right. Question one. How did they leave on book's ship, uh, leave Starfleet headquarters with no one noticing? Right. They, not only right. did they, like they left, they left the ship, they left discovery. The theoretically that's where the ship was docked. Although we never did see that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not until they're like long gone that Tilly's like, where's Burnham? And the computer's like, nope, don't know. Can't find Burnham. Where's the ship? Oh, no Even ship. the ship couldn't come through the impenetrable field until they let it through. Right? Exactly. So how does it the leave? Beginning? So that's a bit of a plot hole. Well, I, I was thinking about that and okay so getting out of the uh like they didn't really describe the little like starbase hidden thing that like yes it has to be exclusively let in but i don't know if it needs to let you out yeah uh but it, wouldn't it seems like more like to... 50 ships see you leaving well and... so talking about that i th- thought from the early episodes that book ship has a cloaking device of some sort it it does mm, it true. does but you yeah. think that they still wouldn't be able to like leave the ship and all that area without anything i don't know yeah. so it's that's poss- the last part getting it out of the shuttle bay is the hardest part and yeah. the 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 only thing i can think of is that like saru and tilly rush down to the shuttle bay pull back the covers and like dang it it's just pillows how did we lose the damn yeah. ship out of here the shuttle bay <laughs> yeah uh question two does this episode successfully undo everything that michael burnham has gone through over the past three seasons so we start out with her mm-hmm. being very headstrong and making decisions in her mind for the greater good killing her captain but getting her captain killed yeah we she has all this character evolution over the past couple seasons where she you know tries to make better decisions and be a better person try to be a better friend all these different things this episode pretty much from beginning to end undoes it all yeah and is that is that a positive i mean it's not a positive character development but what does that do for the character evolution that we've seen well it's kind of like you wonder like you wonder now like saru how can he trust her ever again right well and he's given her like a thousand miles of rope over the past three seasons by by trying to he's a bit of a wuss though too he is but then he's also he's you know He's tried I mean, to just... help her rehabilitate. He's seen earnestness yeah. in her that yeah. she wants to be better. But that's true in those previous circumstances. She was trying to play nice with the other kids and was trying to do things the right way. And now she's just undone that. So you're right. The, tr- the trust is broken between the two of them, but it's also broken between her and Tilly. It's also, you know, like it feels like it's a humongous backslide. It's like it's honestly the best allegory that I came up with is being an alcoholic, right? This feels like somebody who had been a raging alcoholic 
work, had gone clean and sober, been sober for, you know, three years, and then just went on a humongous bender. And everyone was like, what the hell are you doing? Yeah. Or the kind of person who, who can't be happy. Yeah. They can't they can't reach that pinnacle of success and, and just live with that, right? Yep. They have to write their own disaster. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I don't disagree with that. I think I have a, a different take on it in, in that it's not undoing. I think of it as a an oscillation to figure out who is this person underneath it all because you have season one michael who is uh only considering like her take like granted her 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 thoughts are for the greater good but like i'm the one who knows therefore i will just go do it right even if it's not uh appropriate from like a chain of command Mm -hmm. sort of thing or not the official way of doing things and then by the end of season two you have michael burnham who's like i'm gonna sacrifice myself right um i'm gonna take one for the team and they're like no the team is going with you right you're not doing it alone mm-hmm. sort of thing and i think for season three we're, we're we're getting her going at least early on back towards the uh, the season one michael but i think they'll adjust back towards a more balanced character given that she probably will with Giorgio in her ear you know hey just do whatever it takes you know universe isn't fair we just got to do whatever it takes to get it done and i think she'll come to see a better balance from like the Saru point of view of like you got to follow the letter of the law here mm-hmm. right and, and you can't just go rogue here because guess what <laughs> we go rogue bad things happen like we get into a war with Klingons yeah. sort of thing and I, I, I think it's kind of like if 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 Captain America and Iron Man their story arcs over the whole um, uh, MCU were the same character right mm-hmm. Captain America was completely selfless and by the end of his journey he learns to be at least a little bit selfish to bring him towards the middle mm-hmm. and iron man tony stark was completely selfish and by the end of his arc learns to be a, a bit selfless and that brings him closer to the middle mm-hmm. and i think that's what happens with with michael here and that her arc is is within the same character and so it does seem like like you guys mentioned like the the recovering alcoholic who ends up going on a bender and they, they backslide on their progress yeah well and that again maybe that's what it is and, and we know that next week's episode is uh the one we discussed previously it's unification part three right so maybe a trip to vulcan will help her gain some perspective because that's where she grew up that's her home um maybe this is a blip but um yeah it seems like you know in the same way that she was you know i'm right and what i'm doing is right and i can justify in my mind what was right is what she's doing now she's like well i need to solve this mystery and uh, whatever it takes um although you gotta make a case that maybe this was a little bit of also you know uh, i'm secretly or quietly in love with book and or infatuated with book too hmm. all right question number three who's gonna be the new number one? Oh, I've, I've got my i got mine written down you guys oh. will have to take my word for it but i'll let you guys go first tim who, well, who's gonna be the new number one uh well I, based on the number of talking points or talking lines that she had it's got to be lieutenant nelson right and it is own that would be awesome no i think it's probably probably telly <laughs> all right Jaime. i went with Lieutenant Nielsen, who I have called uh, Lieutenant Tax Cuts, <laughs> uh, but who I have given what I saw with Michael, I'm like, I have renamed into Lieutenant Unfortunate Redshirt, who <laughs> will fill in the role of, of, of Commander, first number, you know, number one, and then almost assuredly dies before the end of the season. Oh. And they will need a new 
number one. Whoa. By the way, I, I, I know we didn't talk about this. I know you're joking about this, but there was an article a couple of months ago that said that, you know, there was an expectation there had to be a certain amount of Canadian content in, in shows done here. Didn't you guys see that there article? There is. The, uh, specifically, if you watch the credits for Discovery, and this is true of many shows, there is a uh, separate casting editor, casting person for Canada. Yeah, Canadian casting. Yeah. yeah so yeah. they explicitly have to have a certain number of um, cast members. Now, those can be background players. They can be, uh, you know, people like uh, Sarah, who are obviously uh, do get some speaking roles, but are smaller roles. Um, so, yeah, clearly the, there is a, a quota there somewhere. Uh, yeah, I, I, I tend to agree. It, I mean, as much as it would be nice to, to further develop some of the other characters or, yeah, have just for the comedy's sake to have it be Tilly or something else. I, I, obviously, I don't think you're going to go from being uh, an ensign to suddenly being the number one over top of the lieutenants and the commanders and, and everything else. I think it... Oh, she's ensign Tilly? She's ensign, okay. yeah. He, he specifically says her rank at one point, and I think that's supposed to remind us that she's still um, pretty junior. Uh, mm-hmm. I think, yeah, I think it, it makes more sense. Obviously, you know, it could be Detmer, it could be Owo, it could be uh, Reese, but I think Nielsen makes the most sense because she is in <laughs> that way as exactly as Jaime d- d- just laid it out for us. I think she's the most sort of disposable so that there's not going to be the hard feelings if, uh, oh, if right, suddenly right. Burnham comes back and reclaims her thing. Whereas I think they've made more of a, an effort to put, you know, Detmer and Owo and, and some of the other characters, supporting characters in a little bit more of a, a position of prominence where if they were shunted, it would be just weirder. Yeah, I think yeah. given the way that they like to suddenly turn a background character or minor character into the focus of an episode and that's when they leave the show, either they die like Arium or they go live on the the, the seed ship yeah. like Non did. Um, trust me, if you've gotten into an episode and it spent like the first five to ten minutes on Nielsen, I'm like, oh yeah, she, she's gone. Oh, yeah, right, she's gonna go. See, Non could, could have been number one. She, she should have. have yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. No, she would have been like the no brainer choice uh, a yeah. week ago, but now obviously not. All right, last one, mm-hmm. last question. This is the big one, and this has been percolating, and it, it sort of crystallized for me a little bit this week as she started to get more and more obsessed with this mystery the same way she was obsessed with the the Red Angel stuff last season. Mm-hmm. How possible is it that Burnham or Burnham's mom is deeply connected to the burn? Burn, Burnham, burn. Oh, right. <laughs> I, no, I don't think it's a name association thing, but yeah, yeah, maybe it was her uh, maybe it was her sending this uh, this suit back into the vortex or whatever it was caused the problem. Or right? who knows what. But it just it sort of popped into my mind at one point when she was getting really obsessed. I was like, this is just reminds me of last season. I was like, what was the big thing last season was like, oh, it was revealed that she was actually the Red Angel. And I was like, there's got to be a Michael Burnham connection to all this. What would the connection right. be? And it's like, well, maybe she's the cause of it. Maybe this mystery with her mom. It really just started sort of coming together for me as I started percolating after this episode and writing my notes. I was thinking... Well, that's true. She she did do a Lucy move today. You know, like one of the things that used to bother me about I Love Lucy was when she and Ethel would get into these fixes, mm-hmm. you know, and they would, they would basically go out of their way with some half-baked scheme and you you'd end up watching the show and cringing because she's going to get in trouble and Ricky's going to find out and or whatever or she's going to end up with too many chocolates on the conveyor yeah, belt. That's what I was thing, thinking. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Michael and madly it, eating all the chocolates on the yeah. conveyor belt because there's too many. <laughs> so, I mean, that's her and Georgie, right? And, and uh, it, you know, it's sort of like that's the same sort of thing. It's funny, I don't know if you guys watch the Connors at all, but but um, Becky and um, what's the main character's name? Um, Who's the main character? That, uh, in- England plays. Becky's the blonde daughter and uh, Darlene. 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 Sorry, I haven't seen the Connors. 
does she take over the main character after Roseanne? Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. They've got they 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 off the mother right, but um, yeah, they put her in an airlock and, and open the airlock. But uh, um, they they're working in a factory together now, right? And and it's literally they're standing side by side in a line, and it's 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 like literally right out of that same episode, mm. except for except for the fact that there isn't you know there isn't like the the mad panic of trying to get all the chocolates in, but they're literally standing right next to each other in this in this you know talking to each other during the show and wearing masks and actually not wearing masks this is really bothers mm-hmm. me about this right so they're they're they've upped the, the story for covid you know they've got the shields on and whatever but they everybody on the show in the factory doesn't have their mask over their face when they're talking to each other yeah yeah like hello i can hear you through your mask yeah you know but then movie stars don't want to not have their faces on tv well it's it's the same thing as like the, the, every, every i don't know if you've ever noticed this time but like there's always a show where it's like a bazillion below whether it's game of thrones or or you know some canadian thing where they're up in the arctic and you know the whole world is collapsing and there's a you know comet hitting the earth or whatever and you've got all the you know heavy boots on and the the coats on and the gloves on and all that stuff and they don't have anything on their head like oh and every canadian's watching it going dude you're gonna die (laughs) in five minutes you're gonna gonna die die fast they'll be eating you by the end of this episode yeah but anyway so coming back to coming back to the burnham self-sabotage kind of style i mean she just she's just she's like bugs bunny or lucy or 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 wily coyote she's just doesn't matter what her scheme is it's going to end up in trouble i mean yeah she, today she pulled it off and stuff like that but you know at the end of the day one of my favorite lines in in the movie um hot fuzz mm. you know when um simon pegg's character meets you know nick frost and they have this big shootout in the middle of the movie and and they say what do we do now and simon Hegg's character looks at him and says paperwork yeah yeah. (laughs) we have to go write a court you know we have to go account for every single bullet i mean that's the part of that's the part of starfleet and star trek and all that kind of stuff that like kirk and spock and mccoy ran around the universe you know completely disregarding the first directive right or prime directive and just you know interfered and you know meddled with and whatever like you know seti alpha five right you know um that's i don't know it's just that it's just they cannot leave like there's no way they can't have the brave new world or or you know any of these sort of you know foundationy kind of future societies where everybody just you know doesn't have to work anymore because we don't need money and blah 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 right they have to just you know burnham is going out of her way to make her life a miserable miserable or make everybody else's life miserable right so i'm surprised that cyril and those guys didn't have to come and rescue her like that's what i thought was happening when the scene where the ship comes through and it turns sideways and and book and the and the blue guy are running and trying to get away from the the baddies mm. and all of a sudden you see all this you know see this these these shots coming and blowing up stuff um, I, first of all i was thinking like who's doing the blowing up or who's doing the shooting i thought it was discovery coming to rescue them you know yeah. but what do i know well it's again i think it just it all basically is a little confounding because we have seen this sort of interesting character growth and and again sequel Mark green is an amazing actor and mm-hmm. um she's done such a great job putting a lot of nuance and development to this character and the writers have done an excellent job of of really making her a very fully realized person but yep the writers are also writing her plot she's a yeah but she's an f-up like she's just she's just keeps doing this stuff and (laughs) at a certain point you know like people like that don't get you know the opportunities and and you know maybe she did need the spanking that she got in this episode but i don't know yeah but she didn't get a spanking that's the thing like she didn't get a spanking she didn't go back and be the chief science officer for a month yeah you go back and be the chief science officer oh yeah you get to go and do the cool science stuff while you know the rest of us run around and fire phasers and stuff yeah. um no she didn't get she didn't get the like you know like like in Kirk 
Mark's time, it would have been you're going to the brig for a month, mm-hmm. you know, like even um, on lower decks, that would have been the case, right? Yeah, like you, you know, you're, you're gonna scrub, you're gonna scrub toilets for a month, right? Yeah. You know? Well, it'll be interesting yeah. to see where they take this over, over the course of the second you know? half of the season. Um, obviously, her obsession with the burn is growing. You know, I'm sure the idea is that she's, you know, everything that she'll, all the decisions she'll have made will have become worth it in the end because she'll. Well, now have, we now we all have to wait for the we all we all have to figure out the burn. That's that's the the deal, yeah. right? Like that's the whole. Yeah, that's the MacGuffin well, here, right? The, or the, the burn plus her mom, right? Like that's the sort of intertwined mysteries. Yeah. Is you know why didn't uh why where is her mom? Her mom was supposed to come back at the same time. They don't know where she is. Mm. So again, my mm-hmm. mind me- immediately went to well, maybe her mom missed the mark and ended up 120 mm-hmm. years ago in a pile of dilithium, and then all went south from there. You know, like yeah, and maybe they have to time travel, get all maybe timey wimey. You know, maybe they have to get timey wimey again and go and uh and you know undo what her mom was going to well, do. Well, don't uh, forget, time travel is now forbidden. Yeah, but like that would stop her. I mean, come on. No, that's what I'm saying. Like, like the fact that they said it, the fact that they went out of their way to say you guys are criminals because you're time travelers. Yeah. That's a, that's telegraphing, yeah. right? Yeah. You know, sorry, I mean, what do you got to say? Well, I mean, to, to stitch that all together, because it's like, all right, so how does the short trek Calypso <laughs> fit in this, and how or where or what do they do with Giorgio? So I, I leave open the the the, the possibility that the Section Thirty One thing with Giorgio happens here in the future. Um, but if it takes yeah. place back in the past and like how does she get back how does the ship get back all right bear with me here so in a very well, what's with all our visions too right today yeah right? I, I think in a very uh marty it's your kids back to the future two style so <laughs> <laughs> they're like okay we got to deal with the the time suit with dr burnham problem uh, we've yeah. also got this problem that the ship is becoming more sentient this is is not good so like all right we're gonna go you know michael's like all right i'm gonna take this stuff back over in into the the past or some other place so we can just someplace put things back the way it was supposed to be but also keep control from getting access to the discus so we're going to dump it into this nebula that is really well hidden and and just tell it that, oh yeah to, we're totally coming back right <laughs> just believe me ship and they just run away right they're the ones running <laughs> running away that the disco can see uh you know going for, for three days running away um and and somewhere in here while michael is trying to to, to, to save the mom she's going to lose her her alternate mom uh Giorgio, who like in a uh, thor ragnarok way when thor and loki are being pulled up by the bifrost and are being chased by hella and loki sort of like falls off the side and ends up on that planet mm. i think that's how Giorgio <laughs> falls off of michael and the red angel and falls off into the past for reasons it's the best i got because i can't see how they stitch everything together in this this one season mm. Why doesn't Georgia become number one? Because uh, she's a monster. <laughs> yeah, that would be a tough one because people are already like, you know, this is like like space Hitler. Well, that... Do they know if she's a monster? Saru knows for sure. Yeah. There's no world in which Saru would do that. It's so tough because she undermines his authority even more, like explicitly undermines it. Whereas Michael at least was right. was sneaky about it. Yeah, it's funny they they don't mention that in all this. That uh, like, what's the discipline for her? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I do think that that part of the thing where they could have taken 
doing things differently with Michael is if she wanted to, she probably could have been pretty insubordinate with the Admiral too. Like, mm. oh, what do you think I'm going to say? Mm -hmm. I think what you're going to say is you hardly have any good people as it is and you can't afford to <laughs> yeah. lose somebody who's as talented as I am, even yeah. though we've obviously had this unfortunate situation, Yeah, right? <laughs> like, you get rid of me. <laughs> okay, cool. Good Good luck getting the disco to run when they, they see you booty Michael off the ship, right? Good luck with the team morale and, and have pizza parties or something, I guess, after that, because... <laughs> Uh, what are you, what you gonna do? You know, if, if you turn this into like a like a real world office, uh, who's got the leverage? I think that Starfleet is is in a lot weaker position to argue that, even though they would, of course, want to have the chain of command. But the flip side of that is, again, she goes into it knowing that she got Saru in trouble, and she doesn't want to get him in more trouble. So right. if she mouths off to the admiral. That's what happens, right? Then he's like, "How the hell did you pick this person to be your number one? What's wrong <laughs> with you? I question your judgment. Maybe you right. shouldn't be in charge of the discussion." and be our rapid responders right so it does become a pretty um you know circular thing where she just she can't she has to just bite her lip and and take her take her crap sandwich let's move on to our watch list shall we ooh, ooh, can i do almost all the watch list yeah you could <laughs> well we could let jaime go first and then you can have oh all beautiful the watch list. way better <laughs> okay uh well mine is uh i don't know it just tickled my fancy it is harry potter with guns extended hd version <laughs> on youtube so this the is the most from, american thing i've ever heard this is from the sorcerers or philosopher's stone depending on the part of the world you're in it takes scenes from that movie of them using the wands and says what if those were guns they had instead <laughs> and how does this movie still work and hold up and it is freaking hilarious <laughs> and also in a dark way kind of true like they we know that the wands can hurt and kill people mm -hmm. and they just hand it to these little 10 year olds and say here you go <laughs> run around with this thing in your hands at all times yeah uh, yeah that sounds awesome no we, but we forbid you from re using real bullets yeah, that's right oh man when when I've, I've got the, the the spot in my head of Hermione just coldly taking out Neville Longbottom <laughs> in the dark just like straight up gangster style like Samuel L. Jackson would, would get an award for this sort of thing oh my goodness right alright I got some fun stuff this week um, so yeah I kind of uh, I'll, I'll, I'll try and run through all of it fast uh um, so I'm going to start with the Lego Star Wars Christmas special because that one is a good starting point for us. Uh, it debuted on the 17th of November on Disney+. Plus. I sat down and watched it with my sons this week. Um, I'm not going to spoil anything, but I will say that it was funny as a Lego Star Wars special. If you're looking for more than that, as far as references to the, uh, to the original Star Wars holiday special for which this has its name, it's very very disappointing from that side not not nearly as over the top no only a few references like it, i was a little disappointed that it didn't the holiday special from 77 or 78 whenever it was that's what the 70s was like i i, I concur i mean that's what you could expect you could, you'd have a really amazing thing happen and then for the next two years they would do nothing but camp it up and kitch it up yeah. and and yeah just put them on donnie and marie yeah. and so so again as a as as a Lego special, and, and I really enjoy those Lego shows, uh, Foster and I particularly, my youngest son and I uh, really enjoy watching those together. I think as a Lego special, it's really funny. It's got lots of funny bits. Uh, it plays off of, uh, if you have watched previous specials, it plays the characters very similarly. There's 
some timey-wimey stuff so you get to see some older characters mixed in with the newer characters and it's, it's good it's enjoyable but it doesn't really pay any kind of homage to the the classic holiday special and i feel like for people like me that's missing but it's still definitely worth a watch i i enjoyed it people will enjoy it now that segues into my next pick which is this new documentary that is being worked on entitled a disturbance in the force and a disturbance in the force is a documentary that's under production right now and it is how the star wars holiday special happened oh really (laughs) so there's a trailer up we'll have a link in our show notes it is a documentary that is trying to get to the bottom how and why the infamous star wars holiday special happened and if you uh watch this they've actually got interviews with a bunch of the uh people who were in it and involved with it and uh they actually have um interviews with people who have long since passed so b arthur and harvey corman and people like that they actually have them being asked questions they've assembled all this footage and they're currently working on it and my understanding is they're going to try and have this out next year um but the trailer is really funny and some of the behind the scenes stuff is very funny there's a a very funny bit where um harrison ford is being interviewed on a chat show and they say you know do you remember working on this and he kind of looks into the camera and he shakes his head and they say you know uh well we might have some clips here and he reaches over and tries to strangle the host and you know like and play playfully of course but um Mm -hmm. you know it's it's just so funny that there's been so much disavowing of this but then they also talk to people who are like this thing was so of its time and of course exactly what you were talking about tim it's very much 1970s and you know uh it's sort of this perfect piece of 1970s kitsch and there are people who love it and the fact that it was i don't know if i'd say perfect but yeah well, and the fact that it was so reviled and never played again and it became this like again i'm old enough that it was very much one of these bootlegs that was always you'd see it in the corner of a of a yeah it was hard to get a comic show or something people would have like bootleg vhs copies including all the commercials and stuff like that so it was a really this sort of taboo secret you know george lucas doesn't want you to see this kind of thing and so i'm i'm loving the idea that somebody's finally going to dig into this and do the sort of you know comprehensive look at this uh this uh you know horrible horrible but incredibly rewatchable nonsensical uh holiday special so check that out if you get a chance uh next up i have um this one is weird so i guess the there has been a few different series happening on um on god what's the name of the service omletto omletto uh that have been doing these um sort of mini episodes webisodes uh involving different characters and there was a show i guess a web series a few years ago called fresh hell that had lavar burton and brent spiner and you know it was sort of about them playing these hyper exaggerated characters themselves i discovered this one this week um which just went up actually about a week ago um where brent spiner is basically playing this you know again hyper exaggerated version of himself and uh Perry Gilpin. Isn't that called Big Bang Theory? Um, I guess. There is one episode where he certainly does that, but um, it's it's called Brentwood and it is about him. Uh, Perry Gilpin from um, Frasier plays his wife uh, and it's about him just sort of, you know, trying to sort of do his own thing and sort of lose the shackles of Star Trek, but also getting sort of dragged back into it. And it sort of plays up this like, um, you know, a uh, very funny rivalry between him 
him and Lavar and the way the two of them interact. It is really, really funny. He sings. He's got like all these in jokes. It's only about 10 minutes long. Uh, again, highly recommend. Made me laugh my butt off. Totally worth it. Uh, both of those characters, both of the actors are really, really funny. Um, definitely worth checking out. I highly recommend this one. Yeah, I, I saw this one and I do remember some small web series that he had that had the similar yeah. setup of he's like a down on his luck kind of loser after Star Trek. And it's LeVar Burton, who in that series is like his you know good friend or like yeah. the only friend he has left. But LeVar is like very Hollywood and yeah. feels like he has a lot of money and a lot of stuff going on and is very superficial, which is they're both seem very different than like what the real people would be like yeah you know yeah and it, it does set it up pretty pretty well in in those and i, I definitely enjoyed this one as a, a little mini movie uh, of that concept yeah and then again he's got like a big like you know he keeps talking about you know i want to be on broadway i want to do broadway and then he breaks keeps breaking into song and singing all these and again it's it's for the for those who are uh, easily offended it's it's got some swears it's um you know he's having a pretty good time um you know letting loose but uh yeah it's it's really funny and you know, i think fresh hell was that first series from i think it was like six or seven years ago uh and then this one is yeah it's called brentwood but it's it's very similar as far as the way that it's portraying these sort of hyper exaggerated versions of these characters but uh but damn it's funny it's really funny i don't play data anymore um next up big mouth season four we got our first trailer for big mouth season four this week uh i'm a huge big mouth fan i think it's really really funny very smart show uh so this is our first look they announced that they were gonna they dropped on social that they were gonna do their first trailer but they also uh announced the release dates was coming actually the first week of december so it's very soon too that this is coming out um again show not for the easily offended it is a wildly offensive show but it is so funny it is so smart um you know, obviously it's, you know, it's the coming of age story for all these kids. It talks very frankly about sex and sexuality and just, you know, what it's like to go through the perils of, you know, pubescence and, and all this stuff. Um, so many incredibly talented people working on the show, Nick Kroll, John Mulaney. Um, and the trailer is, again, wildly over the top. The idea of, uh, of you know, all the weird stuff that happens to these kids as they, as they uh, you know, mature. Uh, I can't wait. I can't wait. It's so funny. And I can't wait to see this next season. Cool. And last this week, thank you for all listening to all my uh, my wants and wishes here. The last thing I got this week was we did finally get our PS5. That's my update for the week. It finally arrived. We got it. Um, it did end up coming uh, on the afternoon of the Friday. So it was only about 24 hours late. We got it. We plugged it in. We checked it out. Uh, and one of the highlights was by far playing the first little bit of the Spider-Man Miles Morales game. Now, I was a big fan of the Spider-Man PS5 four game that had come out uh, starring peter parker very very well done and really really well realized very very fleshed out uh, both as an adventure and also as you know a character development this one uh equally so really does sort of drop you into miles's world you really get a taste of you know how he lives and who he is and and the whole world and it looks spectacular does it look like it does on the on the tv commercial yeah. like it's literally like real yeah. life like realistic yeah. like 
like the Ooh. level of detail, the level of of immersion, it is like playing a film. It is hmm. so incredibly realized. The detail, you know, you can go anywhere in New York and it feels like New York from top to bottom. You know, it it just it has a real, a very realized feel to it. It is it is a really impressive piece of work. Now, I've only just sort of dipped my toe in it. I've only played a little bit. Um, I'm I've seen online that it is not obviously as fulsome a game as the original uh, Spider-Man game. This was, was sort of intended to be, uh, you know, a, a 1.5 or a, you know, 1.1 episode for this. Mm. So it's a shorter adventure. Um, so I'm not sure we're going to get quite as immersed in the world. Um, but boy, what a what a what a way to grab people if they're sort of firing up this system and expecting it to be whiz bang. Damn, this is whiz bang. And does it have like has it got that whole subscription? You can't really do much without no. paying a monthly no, thing. Nothing like that. No, and we talked about no. that last week. I mean, if you if you were buying the PS5 because you're the kind of gamer who is going to go online and play, you know, the Call of Duties or uh, you know whatever those sort of online multiplayer games are, there is that. Those are out for the system. You can certainly do that, and for that, you will need to have a subscription so that you can play online. This game mm-hmm. so far, no, not at all. Not nothing required at all. The, there's no online component to it uh whatsoever so that's not an issue but it certainly mm. is for people who, uh, who who do prefer to their their gaming to be a social experience in that way sure right cool all right well i guess that's it for another week so hey jonathan people want to get in touch with you where would they find I'm you i'm on twitter and instagram as at jpk news all right hi if you're going to touch with you i'm on twitter as at dev with the hair all right my name is timitra t-i-m-m-i-t-r-a on the twitter machine is where you'll find me until next time we'll say bye-bye bye 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 You've been listening to the Spotcast Podcast. This is John Luke Picard. Shut up, Wesley. Sorry, say again. Just the tag. Gotcha. If you want to find out more about the podcast or see the episode show notes, visit the Spotcast website at spotcast.com. You can get in touch with us on the website or follow us on Twitter at Spotcast. If you have feedback or questions, send us a tweet with the hashtag AskSpotcast. If you like the show, please consider recommending us to a friend, writing a review on iTunes, or pledging any amount at patreon.com slash spotcast. You can find details on how to help us on our website, spotcast.com slash sponsor us. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you in the future. phone told me to go to bed like half an hour ago <laughs> i have the new the new sleep thing reminding me to go to bed and i'm, I'm getting an extra hour of sleep every night which is nice so. yeah I, I find the problem with those kind of programs is that you have to pay attention to them oh you don't have to pay attention to it i mean you can totally like sit and watch an episode of the crown just, just a matter of time want. before the electric shock start you know was not the plot to a stephen king yeah <laughs> The electric shop is, shock is what happens the first thing in the morning when you have to get up and walk the dog. Yeah, and, you know, I, I hear you. I mean, I can't I can't wait till we have to go back to an office and you have to get up like a whole Ugh. 45 minutes earlier than we're doing mm-hmm. now, right? You know? Who earns? Yep. Not Anywho. included in my uh, watch list. One, I will say, I did get to the end of... Um, 
Truth Seekers, the Dick Frost, mm. Simon Pegg mm-hmm. deal. Mm-hmm. Definitely worth checking out. I'd recommend it to both of you. It's um, it's interesting. It is. It still straddles that weird like humor darkness thing through right through to the end. But um, but it ties up in an interesting way, and it does sort of set the stage for some more interesting stuff to come. Well, as a follow up to the More Than Just Code podcast, I did watch the Queen's Gambit. Oh, is that good? Mm. Oh, it's yeah, it's really yeah, good. That's on my to do list. It's a bit predictable. It's a bit predictable in some parts, but like um, no, it's really good. I mean, especially if you if you know anything about chess, you know, yeah. I, I don't have to know anything about chess to be honest with you. But but if you do know something about it, it's really good. Mm. Sort of uh, you know, rising up from the ashes kind of story. Yeah, right? mm-hmm. yeah, I like uh, is it Anya Taylor Joy. I, I like her. Uh, mm-hmm. um, I think she's an interesting performer. She's a very unusual face, <laughs> but um, yes. But she uh, well, you were yeah. saying I think it was you that was saying she's you keep seeing Emma Stone every time you look at her, right? Well, yeah, initially, yeah. But um, well, it's a red red wig. I mean, she doesn't naturally have red hair, yeah. but is in this in this show. Yeah. But I like her. I think uh, that's I, I have sat down a couple of times and thought, oh, that, and I'm like, oh, no, I finish the other thing first. So yeah, well, I'm only going to watch this because Mark had said you know, he said you should definitely watch yeah. it. So, yeah, if you're if you're science or math or geek any kind of geek person good good show nice. mm-hmm. yep. all right well i guess that's it for today oh i guess you want to just cool. do another two hours yeah. no i have to go and i'll probably have to get up for work early in the morning too yes i'm his lucky one it's not even 10 o'clock yet <laughs> that's true that's true i'm sure he's tired all, all right, right all right talk see you next week later. talk to you later bye, bye. Save big money at Menards. Let the fresh air in and keep the bugs out with replacement screen for your doors and windows from AdForce. It's easy to install, durable against the elements, and comes in a variety of types to suit your needs. Repair your screens today with a roll of replacement screen on sale through May 5th. And check out more great deals happening now in our weekly flyer on Menards.com. Save big money at when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.